Hello and welcome to the Codex Prime Podcast. We are on episode 234 and it is Tuesday, March 30th, 2021. I am your host, Victor Omoyo, and with me as always is my co-host and social media chair, Carl Bird. What's happening, everybody? Yes, indeed. We are back once again uh, doing doing Codex Prime things as we do every week. Um, we got got a few things to talk about. We'll talk a bit about um, the uh, episode two of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, I definitely have a lot of thoughts about this episode. Um, get into some things about what we've been up to this past week. You know the drill. Um, Carl, as you're sharing the episode, uh, what have you been up to this past week? How have things been on your end? Sir. Yeah. As I have stated last week, I have been reading the book Forrest Gump mm-hmm. uh, by Winston Groom, being, you know, the book that the uh, movie was based on. Mm-hmm. Now, you have always stated that Family Matters was always off the rails. Yeah. Sir, it has absolutely nothing on this book. Okay, do tell. Okay, so you do remember in the movie Forrest did uh, he he got the uh, Congressional Medal of Honor. Yeah. And then he ended up going to D.C. for, uh, you know, and he spoke at a protest. Mm-hmm. Totally didn't speak out of protest. Well, a uh, little backtrack. So he actually winds up dating Jenny. And he cheated on her. Mm. Derek, hashtag Derek Jackson. <laughs> I don't know. And then, oh God. And relationship coach who end up like cheating on his girlfriend and his, on his wife. And he's been a laughing stock on social media ever since. It's actually kind of sad and funny at the same time. But anyway, so to try to make up to make up with her and everything, he goes to the protest. He goes to the protest, and he throws his congressional medal of honor, but he ended up hitting a politician in the head. Okay. So he ends up getting, you know tried and you know whatever for assault and they send him to jail but then they send him to get a psychic out and then they figure out like he, he had they had him take a test and he was so smart that they sent him to NASA okay <laughs> and he goes on a spaceship he goes on a space mission With a may, I guess she's a major, Major Fritch, something like that, mm. and a monkey named Sue. Okay, I'm with you so far. They go to orbit the Earth a couple of times, then they crash land in New Guinea. All right. And they live amongst the savages. The end. 
I don't mean to you know say savages in an offensive way, but he's actually said something even worse. I bet. And he lives. They end up stranded there for four years. Okay. One like the tribal chief just happens to be a Yale graduate. All right. And he teaches him how to play chess. And then over time, while they, you know, and then they're working in a cotton field over there for four years, the major falls in love with one of the um, tribesmen. Mm. And Forrest ends up learning how to communicate with the monkey. All right. Ends up learning the backstory of the monkey. Okay. Then all of a sudden, the tribesmen turn out to be carnivores and they try to eat them but then they end up getting chased by the rivals and NASA finally comes to save them but the woman he was in the spaceship with who ends up falling in love with the tribesmen stays with them and then the monkey goes along with them and he's headed back to the United States where he meets President Nixon Nixon didn't really know what was going on. He's like, oh, how was your journey? And they're like, oh, how was your ordeal in the jungle? Uh, Like, he was just such a confused mess. And then all of a sudden, President Nixon asked him if he wants to buy a watch. And he has a whole row of watches on his end. Okay. Sounds historically accurate. And... Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Hmm. Okay, so you're telling me that the that the novel is much better than the movie we got. No, the movie we got is much better than the novel because this is just way too much. Because I feel like we need to see a Forrest Gump remake that's more closer to the novel. I I want that. There's so much racism in that book, he'll get, he'll get canceled. I mean, the, yeah, put, no. you, put, you can put the racism in, it's fine. No, because we're trying to stop Asian hate right now. Oh, that's true, yes. Yo, absolutely. I mean, we're so, right around it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I will say that that shows you that, I mean, I mean, that shows you that, like, the... There's a lot of effort, a lot of pains that go into that goes into adapting a a, a novel because like you have like a there are many cases where like some novel novels are just unfilmable uh, or get or get yeah. labeled as unfilmable for a reason because there are certain books that I read that's like no you can't you can't adapt this or if you do adapt it to to the screen you're gonna have to make substantial changes that's nothing like what you see in the book to make it palatable. <laughs> this is bad. I'm like, this is just, this is insane. Like, it, it's it's just off the rails. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, it has that car crash effect. Like, I have to finish this book. I think you should. You know, this this. Sounds... Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> wow. This uh, okay. Like um, this this is re- that sounds like a that sounds like a really bizarre fever dream that you just described. <laughs> 
but yeah, he hasn't even been a shrimp. He's not even a shrimp boat captain yet. Wow. Do you know if he becomes a shrimp shrimp boat captain in a book? He he plans on like Bubba had already died and they had already talked about it and stuff, mm-hmm. and he's like he's planning on it, and his mother ends up like poor, like she's in the poor house right now, mm-hmm. and then you kind of just forget about her. Okay. Yeah, that's that's kind of sad. That was very sad because in the because in the movie, like she's a very like integral part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, played by the. It's like. She loses the house, ends up in the poor house, and then we never hear, we don't hear from her again for like four or five chapters. Hmm. Very short chapters, by the way, too. The book, each chapter is very digestible. Okay. Oh, all right. Well, uh, Forrest Gump, everybody. That's the, that's the recap of the novel, um, based on the Oscar-winning film starring Tom Hanks. Um. Yeah, uh, if uh, if you can stomach a lot of racism, um, sounds like there's some anti-Asian racism in that book, which which means that I'm not gonna go near it. Yeah, I guess I guess uh, it's an it's a, at least it's an interesting journey to see how how Eric Roth, the screenwriter of the film, adapted the no, uh, adapted it. If anything, and the thing is, is like. He doesn't mean like you can actually read it. He doesn't mean to be racist about it, mm-hmm. but it's just like that's just what he knows. Yeah, because you know what I mean. It's, he is like mentally challenged. Yeah, that and that, and he's a white American man living in the you know mid twentieth century America. So. So the, yeah, in the, in the deep south, he's from Alabama. Oh well, so, that, that explains it. <laughs> But so that's what he knows. But he's like not racist at all. Hmm. Okay. So it's kind of like okay. I'm like you're not a racist, but you're saying all the you're saying all these you know racial terms and stuff. Yeah, yeah, because like because he he grew up around a lot a lot of a lot of Bubba's and Jethro's and animes. Yeah. <laughs> Bubba, Bubba's character wasn't that different. Hmm. You know, no, you know, no details on like the bottom gum and stuff. He, well, Forrest does learn how to play. Her, Bubba teaches Forrest how to play a harmonica. Hmm. Okay. He's like really good at it, but they did keep the whole, you know, during combat in Vietnam, he runs back to go get him and he dies in his arm. They did keep that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So far, I think that's like the only thing that's the same. And he she, he always called Jenny by her first and last name. Oh, okay. Well, that's kind of sweet. <laughs> uh, oh, Forrest Gump. I mean, I mean the move the movie is the movie is a uh, is a bona fide classic. Um, oh yeah, one of my all time favorite movies. Yeah, it's like I'm not a smart man, but I do know what love is. <laughs> yes, you do, Forrest. Yes, you do. Yeah, we'll see. Somebody actually made a trailer. They took, you know, parts of that movie and turned it into a horror movie. Oh, okay. I'm sure. Sh- yeah. Like they, they just made a horror, a horror trailer of Forrest Gump. Hmm. Yeah, like, like and a, it, Wait, go ahead. Oh, like a fan edit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like he's a stalker going after Jenny. Hmm. <laughs> wow. I mean, I mean, I think, I think, I think somebody. Sh- I mean, if we're talking about like editing, like 
past uh, past stuff. I think somebody should take the time to e- to edit, you know, a, a dark horror movie version of Family Matters. I would love to see yeah. that. You know, because I mean, there's 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 a lot of there's a lot of stuff you can mine uh, from the show and and bring out those horror elements. Because Steve is a mad scientist, as we've established uh, on the show, you know, and uh, he's a gaslighter and a manipulator, as you've seen in past seasons of the show. Mm-hmm. Although I will say, like, if you watch season nine in isolation, his relationship with Laura does come off sweet. You know, you know, they, they, they do have that chemistry. But as a whole, the season as a whole, it's like, dude, no, what you're doing is not OK. But but OK. All right. Forrest Gump, the, the novel, everybody. Um, yeah. Besides that. Yeah. What else? What else you got in your plate, Mr. Bird? Um, so sometimes I do tend to collect comics. I will buy an entire comic just for the cover. Mm-hmm. And I've been I've been uh, collecting the uh, Wolverine Black White Blood mm. series because in the art's kind of cool. It's literally just black, white, and red to indicate the blood, so it's very violent. Okay, very so tasty. the Wolverine. I think the Wolverine uh, series ended, mm-hmm. so a new one started. Okay, Carnage, Black White and Blood. Oh, okay. All right. Is it kind of now, sim- this is just a this is just the A cover. Mm-hmm. There's some fire variants out there. Hmm. I do like variant There's covers. Cool, there are some really cool ones, and I'm just like, holy shit! I'm like, I don't even know if I want the A cover because that cover looks good. That cover looks good. Depending on what comes out this week, maybe I just pick one up. Just don't know yet. Hmm. Okay. So, also, one of Disney, you know, one of Disney's properties that they um, that they acquired from the 20th Century Fox merger. Yep. So they decided to hey, give this property to Marvel and start making some comics out of it. Mm-hmm. Alien. Oh, it's out. Okay. Came out uh, this past Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So I started reading it. It's a pretty much of a slow build, but it's violent. I sent it to my buddy, Matt, and he's like, it's just like the movie. Slow build, and then boom, nightmares. Mm. Nice. But this cover is actually pretty cool. Mm. So. Oh, I like that one. Yeah, it's a close-up of the alien's head. You know, it's kind of kind of like, like the black and green. Kind of reminds me of the poster from the original Alien from 1979. Right. Yeah. Okay. But here's the thing. Yeah. This is actually, this cover is actually painted. Oh, it's painted. Okay. Nice. That's some really nice artwork. So I, I bought it just thinking of like, oh, this is probably you know, it's the movie poster, but they just put it on a comic. So then when I picked it up, I looked closely. I'm like, holy shit, this is painted. Like, this is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I think it was Patrick Gleason that did it, but amazing. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah. it's, it's going to be interesting to see what Marvel does with the Alien franchise uh, in comic book form. Because I know for like almost 30 years, uh, 
Dark Horse Comics exclusively published Alien comics, and they had some some pretty pretty cool ones over the years too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm you know I piqued my interest. Um, Maybe I'll probably just get the first story out because I could I this probably could be an ongoing series. I'll probably just pick up go up to the first story out and call it quits. But it's not bad. I would I would have loved to have seen uh, Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman, who's been doing the Absolute Carnage and the um, and the King in Black series. Yeah. I would have loved to have, to, to have seen them do it mm-hmm. because you know with the Alien franchise, Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman, they could just like capture that whole lore in comic book form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe that they can, but I know they got their um, hands wrapped up in Venom. And they're about to end their Venom run soon, so that's going to be good. Okay. So, uh, one show that I have been uh, that I have been uh, binge watching is uh, AMC's Comic Book Man. All right. In a nutshell, it's basically uh, porn stars for nerds. Okay. Uh, you know, like that the porn, porn stars. Ah, porn. P A W N people, not porn stars for nerds. Um, forget our forget our Rhode Island accent. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you want, if you want porn stars for nerds, you can go on Instagram and see a bunch of thirst traps. So that 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 cosplay as nerd characters. But go on. Yeah. Right. So one per- that's a, that show gets pretty interesting because people will come in and just well all types of, like, interesting, like, toys and comics. Yeah. Um, one I wanted to show you is, like, they had the um, the Jawa vehicle from Star from the first Star Wars. Oh, the Sandcrawler? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, the origi- like, the original toy. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, they had, like, they, I mean, the stuff, that they, the stuff that they brought in, it was, like, it was amazing. So, one thing that one person brought in was the uh, Heroes magazine that Ma- that Marvel did in tribute to 9/11, mm-hmm. and that was something that I wanted to get. So I went on eBay and found one pretty cheap. Oh, okay. And this is awesome. I'm kind of mad that I didn't buy this when 9-11 happened because all the proceeds went into like, you know, the first response, the families of the first responders. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, unfortunately my money couldn't go to that, mm-hmm. but it was, it's still, you know, something cool to have, like just see different artists interpretations, just, um, you know, show, you know, drawing different scenes from 9-11 and just like different tribute pictures and stuff. It was really cool. It's really cool. A lot of different writers, you know, wrote their little, little excerpts about, you know, their feelings towards uh, the tragedy and the events of that uh, day that we all remember very well. Except mm-hmm. for my stepdaughter. Yeah. You want to go on anything? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that, I, found, I found that was something cool to have. I haven't really sat, had the chance to, like, really sat, sit down and read it yet because mm-hmm. I've been uh, so wrapped up on Forrest Gump. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and another graphic novel that I saw at Newberry 
And I knew I had to pick it up because I know if I try to go back to Newberry to pick it up again, it wouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. And this is a story that I've always wanted to write, wanted to read. And it's the birth of Venom. Okay. Right. Um, starts off, you know, with the uh, events right after Secret Wars, and then it leads all the way up to uh, Tom McFarlane's uh, creation of the character. Mm-hmm. So, other than that, that's it. Okay. All right. Some some interesting uh, comic recommendations uh, for this week. All right. Yeah, I, de- I definitely want to check out the Alien. Uh, series just to see what it's like i'll if i could pick up the first two issues or I'll, I'll probably wait most likely i'll wait for the first trade paperback um uh have you now have you seen any of the alien movies carl a long long time ago mm-hmm. like when i was little, oh speaking of when i was little you might get a laugh out of this yeah so i just randomly you know am i overnights i'm alone with my thoughts a lot so, and I don't know why I thought about this movie that I watched when I was a kid, yeah. and I didn't quite understand it. So I just said, you know what? I want to. I actually want to take a shot and watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Odds are, it is going to be bad. Okay. But. When I was a kid, it was a rated off movie that I had no business watching. So right. I said, let me try. So I went ahead and watched it. Well, I at least made an attempt to watch it. Mm-hmm. 1995's Jane. Oh, with David Caruso. That's <laughs> <laughs> commentary. Okay. And apparently Victor Wong, Grandpa for Three Ninjas. Oh, well, okay. Well, well, that's a that's a Oscar worthy cast right there. <laughs> I barely remember watching. Like it was just it couldn't even keep my attention. Mm. Yeah. Like I sit there just like, all right, it's Jay. They have all this uh, Chinese like music going on. Mm-hmm. I ain't seen not one Chinese person for like not until like ten fifteen minutes into the movie. Wow. Yeah. And Victor Wong was that Chinese person. <laughs> <laughs> yep, sounds like a 90s Hollywood movie to me. <laughs> I, it looked like something that could have been shown on NBC back in those times. Mm. Yeah. Like it literally looked like it was shot for NBC. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I'm like, this is just bad. This is really bad. Then the melatonin kicked in and I was out. <laughs> All right. Mondays have to take yeah. Mondays have to take melatonin because I'm like in between overnights and first and second sh- and first and third shift. You know, ro- rotating that. So mm. in order to like really sleep in, I just pop melatonin. Mm. Love melatonin. Okay. Is like a sleeping pill? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Wow. Yeah, I mean. Wow, so that's that's the that's the Carl Bird review for Jade, everybody. That's it. <laughs> um, hey, much, apparently there's a director's cut. Well, okay, well you know I I've never seen the movie Jade. Like I like the first. It's funny because the first time I heard about that movie, that even that, that I wasn't even aware of that movie's existence was watching the Forty Year Old Virgin, 
where where Seth Rogen tells uh, Steve Carell, be David Caruso and Jade. And he's like, okay, I know what you're talking about. And then he goes off and uh, hits on Elizabeth Banks' character in the bookstore. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, man... <laughs> Yes, uh, you know, speaking uh, speaking of uh, speaking of Asian cinema, and you know, Jade's not Jade's not Asian cinema. Um, sure, it hey. really ain't. Um, lots of lots of lots of good Asian Asian uh, movies out there, like uh, whether it's Chinese cinema, Korean cinema, um, you know, out there. You know, you know, uh, you know. I, I, I like to highlight you know Asian cinema because you know, like you know, this especially with you know nowadays with the whole you know, anti, anti-Asian sentiment, um, that's been, that's been prevailing in this country ever since the pandemic hit. And it's been ratcheted up a notch in the past few weeks with, with random attacks on, on Asian, Asian citizens, Asian American citizens, especially on the elderly. First of all, fuck all you people that are, that are, yeah. that are, that are committing those crimes. Um, and, and also fuck the people who are bystanders and not, not doing anything to help the victims. Uh, so yes, uh, hashtag stop Asian hate for, for real, for real. Um, I was, and also too, um, definitely, definitely check out some, some, some cool, some cool Asian, Asian cinema, uh, out there that's streaming. So you can, you can catch them on like, uh, Prime Video, Netflix, Hulu, um, Canopy, if you've got that streaming service, Criterion Collection, um, few, few films I'll recommend, some, some random ones I'll just throw out there real quick. Um, there's The Farewell. Uh, starring Aquafina, which came out back in 2019. That's a that's a really good film, which I reviewed on the podcast. Uh, there's uh, uh, Departures. It's a really cool uh, Japanese film. It's about a it's about a concert uh, ba- a bassist. What's what's the what's the name of that? Like he, he he's he's like a concert of a performer who becomes like a mortician. Um, which is which is actually pretty cool. Um, any, anything, any, any, any South, any South Korean films like Burning with Steven Yoon, um, let me see, The Handmaiden by Park Chan-wook, um, that one was, that one is on Amazon Prime, that one is, that one is, mwah, chef's kiss, uh, right there, uh, Zhang Yimou's films, Hero, House of Flying Daggers, Raise the Red Lantern, um, Ang Lee, of course, Ang Lee, like, um, uh, Life of Pi, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. I think he did that one. Yeah, whole bunch of whole bunch of films. Check out check out some cool Asian cinema out there, man. Lots of great stuff out there. Yeah, real quick, wasn't the uh, Babadook an Asian film originally? An Asian film? Uh, Babadook? No, that was a uh, that was that's an Australian film. Um, but but now now that you mention it, lots of good Japanese horror uh, uh, flicks out there, like the original Ring Ringu. Um, Dark Water. Uh, oh my gosh, there, there was. Oh, of course, um, Old Boy. Whew. God, that film, that film, Carl. Man, you want to talk about a Victor film? Old Boy from 2003. <laughs> like, there's a scene where the main actor, um, Oh Dai Su. Um, I think that's, I think that's the name of the. Uh, that's the name of the uh, uh, character, not the actor, but. There's a scene where the the actor in Old Boy he he eats a live octopus, and it's 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 an actual octopus. It's not a prop. It's not CG. He's eating a live octopus, and you can see the tentacle, you know, wrapping around his nose, getting up in his nostril while he's eating it. That shit was, wow. I was like, man, I'm home. 
this this movie brought me to that place already. Oh, but that's but that's the most mild scene in that whole movie. So let me tell you that. <laughs> there is one thicker ass movie that I know you will you will grin from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. It's not a, it's not an Asian film, but I remember watching it and I was just like I had the same look that I had from when I watched Strange Things about Johnson. Yeah. It's called I spit it, it's called I spit on your grave. Oh yo, I've heard of that. I've heard of that movie. That's I've... A, you know, I I've I've heard of that movie for years. I'm I know it's available on streaming in a couple of uh, uh, a couple of platforms. I might check it out one of these days. I'm, I'm I just might. Oh, I challenge I challenge you. First of all, I have never stirred you the wrong way when it comes to my movie recommendations. I know you like. And there's a couple I was just like, eh. You know, but what? Yeah. I spit on your grave. Oh, hmm. You will smile. You know, I mean, hope. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, like, there's there's a few films that I'm that I'm that I'm hesitant to watch. Like, for example, um, Cannibal Holocaust. I still haven't gotten around to watching that film. I don't know if I will. <laughs> Um, you know what I'm talking. You know what joke I'm talking about. Oh, oh, I, I know, I know, inside joke, people. I know what you're talking about, Carl. I really, I do know. Um, that film, uh, Antichrist by Lars von Trier. I don't know if I'll ever see that. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm, a, I'm gonna have to. I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. But you know, there, there's speaking of messed up movies. There's one film that I've heard about for years. It's on the criteria. It just came on the Criterion Collection uh, a couple months ago. Um, and it's actually directed by David Cronenberg, who directed The Fly. Um, it's a movie called Crash, and it's not—it's not the—it's not, uh, not the 2005 film about racism. Like this is a movie that came out in 1996, and David Cronenberg's Crash, like the premise, is about a bunch of couples that are sexually attracted to car crashes, and they have sex at the scene of the accidents. Like, judging from that premise, I'm like, hmm, you know, I, I, I want to see what this is about. I want to see, I want to see the thought process that led to this really random premise. Who would think, like, who, who would think to have a movie about a bunch of couples having sex at car crash scenes? I want, I'm curious. I want to see what, I, I want to see what it's about. I mean... Criterion Collect. I don't know if I'll buy it. I mean, I'm sure it's available on streaming somewhere. I'll I'll, re- I'll review it on this podcast once I get around to seeing it. But that premise sounds so odd that it's like, how can I how can I not see it? You know, you, you know what I mean? It's like how can I not? It sounds so weird that it's like I can't ignore it. Car crash effect. Yeah, a literal car crash effect. It's like you can't. I didn't even realize I got sick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will say this. Hmm. I spit on your grave. Yeah. You like revenge movies, right? I do. Yeah. And boom goes the dynamite. There you go. Oh, okay. All right. I spit on your grave. I've got that written down. I will check it out. Um, if I if I do watch it this weekend, I'll be sure to review it on next week's episode of the podcast. Um, 
Can't wait. Yeah, okay. Um, hey, you know what? Hey, you know me. I've seen a lot of strange stuff, you know, so. You had the one with Patrick Stewart. He uh, plays a neo-Nazi. Oh, yeah, Green Room. Oh, that one was fun. <laughs> I mean. That's just so odd, like, because he's Brit- I've never heard of a British racist. Oh, Oh, Britain's Britain and Britain's got the market cornered on racism. Like they're they they practically invented it when you think about it. Well, not only not what we learned about the royal family, yeah. <laughs> oh man, like yeah, like Green, Green Room is actually a terrific film. Um, very intense. Uh, but but yeah, speaking of movies, I actually um I actually bought a few um off uh, Warner Brothers website, uh, their Warner Archive collection. Um, they just they just had their final uh, Warner Archive sale, so you can buy like four films for forty four dollars um, total. So I managed to pick up a few films um, to add to my collection, and, and most of these, well, all, all but one of these I haven't I haven't I haven't seen yet. Um, all but two rather. So I picked up a few that I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna watch these over the weekend because I've always had my eyes on these. Because Warner Warner Brothers has a really great catalog, and uh, Disney and thankfully Disney isn't buying them like 20th Century Fox. So we do have that portion of relevant film history still with us. So I picked up uh, this uh, musical which I haven't seen yet, uh, Auntie Mame with Rosalind Russell. Um, that that seems pretty interesting. So I picked that up. I also picked up a. Uh, Humphrey Bogart, Lauren Bacall, a classic, Dark Passage. Um, always wanted to see this for years, uh, but I'll get around to watching it. Um, a movie that I, a movie that I finally had a chance to watch, and I really enjoyed this. It's a black exploitation classic. Cleopatra Jones. <laughs> oh man, yes, Cleopatra Jones. Like this was a fun movie, yo. Uh, Tamara, the late great Tamara Dobson, yo, she really showed out in this film and. Shelly Winters, man, man, she she as the as the villain known as Mommy, wow, she she really she really brought the ham and ham and eggs for that performance. Um, yeah, Cleopatra Jones, uh, Jeff Bridges in Fearless, which I heard a lot about. This was a really good film, um, which I'll which I'll have it which I'll see eventually. Another another musical, uh, Guys and Dolls. Marlon Brando, Frank Sinatra, uh, you know Gene Simmons, uh, Vivian Blaine, um, another uh, a classic film which I hear is classic, uh, starring the late great Sean Connery, Michael Caine, uh, the man who would be king. Um, I've always wanted to see this for years. This came out in the mid '70s. Um, and another pre-code horror film, Mystery of the Wax Museum. Um, this one seems pretty interesting. Early. Uh, I think it's like early Technicolor or two color Technicolor uh, film. Another uh, another another film I haven't seen. An under the radar uh, '70s film. Gene Hackman and Al Pacino, Scarecrow. Um, I'm like, hey, you know what? I, I I love these two actors. I haven't seen this before. I will check it out. And last but certainly not least, I'm finally glad that I have this in my collection. I've only seen the first film in this trilogy. But I'm glad I have it. The Shaft triple feature. Yes. So, yeah, I got Shaft, the original with Richard Roundtree, followed by Shaft's Big Score, and Shaft in Africa. Now, I haven't I haven't seen the sequels yet, 
but the first film is a bona fide classic. I mean, yo, I, from Shaft in Africa is going to sound awfully familiar. Oh, okay. I'm guessing has it been sampled by many hip hop artists? Uh, Jay Z in particular, and that's the only hit I'm gonna give you. Hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, and it's a b-boy classic. Hmm. So. All right. <laughs> now I'm intrigued. <laughs> Brian just asked, are any of these movies available on the cop? Oh, <laughs> oh, Peacock. Oh, uh, well, well, I don't think so, since they're since they're mostly Warner, since they're all Warner Brothers films. Um, you know, NBC Universal. Uh, they, I know they, I know NBC Universal has their own their own set of movies. Um, I, I haven't, I haven't dug, I haven't dug into their too deep into their collection yet. Um, but speaking of Peacock. Um, um, I did. I did. Uh, I mean, I, I I did. You know the you know the big news with with NBC Universal purchasing the WWE Network. Right now, they're scrubbing through uh, their entire catalog, you know, f- to to weed out you know racist or racially tinged moments and other and other and other questionable moments from from years past. That I think is the wrong move. I think that's really wrong-headed for NBC Universal to do because you know if you're purchasing an entire catalog, you know for one billion dollars, at least the the only thing that NBC has to do is issue a disclaimer. Just say that hey, the following contains inappropriate content. Viewer discretion advised. This is me high five. Yes. E high five. Boom. Zoom high five. There you go. That's all you got to do. Viewer discretion is advised. Bam. And then you have the choice whether or not you want to watch the content or not, because I think by censoring, by by censoring or trimming or editing, you know, past content, you know, as problem as problematic as as they were back in the day, you know, you're you're essentially giving a false version of history. You know, you're, you're especially with newer fans who want to research, you know, like the Attitude Era. Younger fans want to research the Attitude Era or the Monday Night Wars and even earlier, like the 80s Golden Age and things like that. You know, if, if you're giving them an edited version of the past and they're not going to get an accurate picture of what what, you know, wrestling programming was like. So I think that the, I think that this particular move does a disservice um, not only to uh, attract, you know, uh, fans who have the network and kind of dissuade them from getting the getting peacock service altogether but you're also you know needlessly neutering uh wwe content because it's like you know what's what's the point you know just have a disclaimer you you paid all this money nbc universal just let it be and besides and besides like nbc when you look at if you look at their movie library i am sure there's a bunch of violent rated r movies that they have which are totally left alone so Would the... you want to watch Gone with the Wind edited? No, no, Because right, then it would it wouldn't be Gone with the Wind, and Gone with the Wind is a shitty fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Would you want to watch? Well, I don't. I actually never seen this, and I actually have intentions on like planning on watching this. But would you ever want to watch Lawrence of Arabia edited? Oh God, no. I don't, I don't even know what you would edit from it because so yeah, okay. if, there, if there's anything to edit right uh, Wizard of Oz there's nothing really to edit but no did a documentary on that movie then god yeah <laughs> yeah I've heard... holy shit 
Yeah, I've heard a lot of conspiracy theories surrounding the original Wizard of Oz film, you know. But, but yeah, it's like, you know, you know, come on, NBC, just do, do the right thing. Just, um, just leave it, just leave, leave the memories alone, as they say. And I will say, like, if you're, if they're going to take the time to edit the, the, the product, to, and then, then at least, at least have, like, parental controls. Like, okay, here's the edited version of the WWE stuff, and then here's the real stuff. And then you, you, you make everybody happy. It's a win-win for everybody. There you go. Parents make their own decisions. Exactly. You know, like back back in the Attitude Era, you know, when we were like 14, 15 years old, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, you know, the crotch chops, you know, the the one time where Jacqueline had her titties exposed on, on that random episode of Raw. Was was it Raw or was it a paper? No, Raw? it was Capital Carnage. Oh, yeah, yeah, Capital Carnage. Um, You know, t- t- Hey, you know, we turned out fine. Shit. I mean, that, I mean, that, that, that's that, that's the thing about, you know, professional wrestling and, and media as a whole. You know, you have your risque stuff over the years and over the years, you know, you know, the content, you know, in some ways matures and, and you grow out of that raunchy stuff and you have some new stuff. And then you have like other raunchy stuff that can evolve in a different form. You know, you just but you, but you, you just got to let things be. But that's, I, bet they, I, bet they didn't edit, I bet you they didn't edit the office. Right. Microsoft says fucked up shit. I and I bet he does. I bet he does. But yeah, but yeah, man. Um, you know, I, but but I will I, I will say with the WWE Network stuff. Um, it, I I guess for fan for fans who who still want to watch um the, the WWE Network content unedited, like and this is it, it's it's a bit of work. Like what you could what you could do is like sign up for a VPN, virtual private network service, and then just like log into like say UK's a UK server and watch the WWE network from a UK server and then you watch all their content as is. But that's like but that's just like a really roundabout way of watching like of watching WWE network stateside. So I mean your mileage may vary. So there's so that's my opinion. Um, but I'm um, looking at the comments here. Um, co- as a continuation of UWO's episode, which I haven't I haven't had a chance to finish yet. I watched the the first half. Um, they were getting they were going in on Peacock, calling it the cock. <laughs> um, Our already designed a T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, because you know, you know, puerile jokes. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Um, um, besides that. Uh, I actually watched. I actually watched a a, a cool uh, film, uh, a child. A, a ch- uh, what in our generation will probably call it consider a childhood classic, uh, for the first time ever. Actually, um, I actually remember um, watching the cartoon show, and I remember eating their cereal for a time. But I had never seen the actual films. But until now, I actually saw for the first time uh, th- a couple days ago on HBO Max. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, starring, starring, starring Alex Winter and Mr. Keanu Reeves, the global treasure himself. Yes, the global icon, the national treasure himself, the acting titan. All right, Mr. Keanu Reeves in one of his, one of his uh, uh breakout roles. As Ted Theodore, as Ted Theodore Logan, and Alex Winter, Alex uh, Winter as um, Bill Preston. Bill, is it, was it Bill Preston? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, I, I, oh, I, 
cartoon. Yeah, I see, because I, I remember the cartoon, and I thought the cartoon was kind of amusing, and I, rem- and I remember actually eating their cereal for a time when it came out. Yeah. Yeah, because like I, I remember the cereal came with like a free uh like toy replica of their of the phone booth, which was yeah, like a, yeah that's what I had yeah which was like the which was like a, a case it could like stuff put stuff in I thought that was cool yeah, yeah. um the the movie itself you know it, it was pretty amusing it was just completely silly um I, I you know I I really I I really enjoyed it for what it was it was like you know what if I was a kid I would have really been into this you know. I mean, I mean, and plus, like, it has some educational value, getting kids to, to learn about history, you know, traveling back through time, getting all those historical figures, you know, to present uh, in their in their uh, in their um, school assembly uh, uh, for their um, history class. It was, it was, it was pretty amusing. Um, and also getting to see the late, great George Carlin in it. I'm like, man, uh, yeah. I'm like, man, this is cool. But yeah, uh, I'll definitely check out um, uh, the sequel, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. And um, if it's available on streaming, uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music, because I really do want to see that film. <laughs> so so yeah, got to see Bill and Ted. Uh, excellent adventure, you know. Um, and, and, and I will say for those out there, we won't name names, who, who claim preposterously that Keanu Reeves is a bad actor, I want you to sit down and watch Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and you tell me that that man should not have walk, walked away with an Oscar. <laughs> you know who you're talking about? She won't do it. Yeah. Well, then again, you know what? I I, I will say, and we won't mention names, you know, anybody who genuinely enjoys movies like Dance Flick, well... Quite frankly, any movie that I recommend would be considered too highbrow. Make of that what you will. Was that shade? Or was it the facts? Was it both? You decide. We're not talking about anybody in particular, Carl. You know I'm showing it. You know I'm showing it. Right? <laughs> eh, whatever. I mean, I mean, I mean we didn't we didn't mention we didn't mention names so i got i have plausible deniability but, but anyway um yeah besides that um still watching clone wars on disney plus i'm on episode 45 um really cool really cool um i'm, I'm really liking it so far uh did you see the trailer to bad batch to the bad batch that came out today i did not no okay um, yeah Check that out because it follows the events of Clone Wars. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely watch that when it comes out. Um, I, I will say, like speaking of Star Wars, um, I am I am I am pretty intrigued to see the Obi Wan Kenobi limited series. Um, it's it's got a solid cast. It's got a solid cast. Um, although, um, yeah, the, the, there is. There, <clears throat> although we are gonna see the return. Of um, <clears throat> of Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. Now when I when I saw when I saw that when I saw him in, in in the cast lineup, I felt like I felt like that meme of uh of Pablo Escobar in in that show Narcos, where he's just staring off in the distance in in three settings. That's how I that that's how I felt like. Um, but I but but that being said, and and I've made this point before in the show. Hayden Christensen is a good actor. I've seen him act well in other projects. It's just that 
under George Lucas's direction, he couldn't make it work, you know, as the as as how the character was written on the page. That being said, I I'm gonna give Hayden Christensen a fair shot. I want to see how he does with as reprising his role as as Anakin Skywalker or in this case Darth Vader, um, under under a new director and new writers, and and if and and I'm pretty sure he's gonna do a fine job, and I'm pretty sure he will prove that hey. He is a good actor, and he can make Star Wars work. It's just that George Lucas wasn't doing him any favors. I'm going to do exactly... When I watch this, I'm going to do exactly what you said. When you first started when you first started watching Mandalorian, that's an actually that's actually a story that I enjoy telling. But, um... <laughs> yep. Impress me. Yes. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Aaron Ferguson saying, he said Lucas gave no direction. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you know what? He he really didn't. He his his direction was basically faster, more intense. Well, gee, thanks, thanks, George. That that's really insightful. Um, uh, man, but uh, but yeah, man. Uh, besides that, uh, we'll get into um the episode uh that we both watched. Getting into some Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, discussion, episode two, which came out this past Friday. Uh, real real quick, yeah. explain your background. Yes, um, this background, which I will, which we'll get into momentarily, is a direct reference to a one character that we've seen uh, in in the episode two of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is entitled "The Star Spangled Man." And I'm going to show you, uh, I'm just going to move over here for a second. Um, this is a background of Isaiah Bradley, a.k.a. Truth, a.k.a. the very first, the OG Captain America. Um, for, those, for those who are unfamiliar, quick backstory, um, back in the early 2000s, in the early to mid-2000s, there was a, um, a limited, um, limited, I think, seven-issue Marvel miniseries. Uh, titled Truth, Red, White, and Blue, and it explored uh, the um, the origins of Captain America, and it was about it was about this uh, one man Isaiah Bradley, who was um, the um, who who was who was given the super super soldier serum that Steve Rogers took and which, which which made him become Captain America. However, Isaiah Bradley, uh, how he became Captain America, it didn't come without it, it came with a heavy price. Um, it, it directly references um, the America's history with um, experimenting on, you know, uh, black, uh, black, black Americans, specifically the, t t the Tuskegee experiments, for example. Um, in this one, um, in, the, in the history of Marvel and the canon, uh, around uh, the U.S. government experimented around on approximately 300 uh, black soldiers uh, testing out the the super so the super soldier serum to replicate the original formula that created Steve Rogers. Um, in in those experiments, all 300 subjects died, and Isaiah Bradley was the only survivor. And in the comics, he fought in the Korean War, and despite and he and he even did battle with the Winter Soldier one on one. And but despite his heroism, uh, Isaiah Bradley, when he returned to the states, he was imprisoned for 30 years, and he was experimented on further. And then, and then after after 30 years, he was released. You know, he was set free, and nobody knew his name except Wolverine. Wolverine knew who he was, but nobody else in the Marvel universe did. And so, the the, sorry, what was the name of the uh, the comics? Uh, Truth, 
red, white, and blue. Oh, oh, red, white, and black. I'm sorry. Yes, red, white, and black. Um, let me let me see. I'm, I'm, I want to pull up the uh, information because I I know that the the writer who created it. I know he passed away a few years ago. Um, unfortunately. Um, let me see. Truth. Okay, red, white, and black. Um, it was written by Robert Morales, and it actually uh, it was published from January to July two thousand and three, and you can and it's available in trade paperback form. Um, so you can order it online and, and read it. I, 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 def, I, def, I definitely want to get uh, order a copy as well. Um, but in this episode, um, there is there is a scene where uh, Win where Winter Soldier and Falcon, um, where Sam where Sam and uh, Bucky, uh, they go to Baltimore, and because Bucky because uh, Bucky says that uh, you know he he knows somebody that can help that can help them out, and um, and they do run into um, um, uh, Isaiah Bradley. Uh, who's played by Carl? Uh, I think it's Carl Lumbly. Um, Carl Lumbly. Lumbly, uh, who who originally starred in the Fox uh, show Mantis. Mantis. In the, yeah, in the '90s. So so yeah, uh, so that was very interesting. Um, I think I think I think with the intro I think with the introduction of Isaiah Bradley, it does bring a whole new dimension uh, to to uh, Sam to Sam Wilson's story, and and why. And uh, and also you know why he gave up the 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 shield and and how the government spat in his face and how him as a black as a black man and as, as a black hero isn't getting his respect now uh, I, and I, and, I, and I will say too um, about that is um, uh, wa watching this episode in particular it really makes me look at the 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 scene that he had with uh, old Steve Rogers. Rogers at the end of Endgame, Avengers Endgame, in a whole new light. It kind of re recontextualizes that scene because I think that I think it was really unfair for Steve Rogers and even Bucky, because I'm pretty sure he was in on it, to just give Sam Wilson the shield. And it's not because he didn't he didn't deserve it, but I think that Steve Rogers and and Bucky they don't understand how much of a burden that would place on Sam because Sam Wilson being a black man, you know, despite, despite, you know, doing his part in saving the, the, not only earth, but the universe from Thanos, who's like the greatest existential threat in the history of the world and the history of all of existence across all sentient life in the Marvel universe, the man still can't get a loan, a bank loan. You know, the man, the man was, the man was damn near, damn near th shot by the, by the, by Baltimore PD when they rolled up on him and, and and had the nerve to ask Bucky, oh, is this man bothering you? Let me let me see your ID, motherfucker. What? He he's going through all. I'm, of that. Yeah, I'm actually glad that they did that. Just showed like, oh, we're gonna touch on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, that's how I. That's how I. Yeah, and 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 too, and too, and also too, like I think that, uh, and I think that it's also unfair. It was uh, it was actually unfair of Steve and Bucky to, to um. To put to place that burden of taking up the Captain America mantle on on Sam's shoulders because they because as as white guys you know they don't understand that Sam you know he's gonna he's gonna represent a country that even after everything that that the world's gone through with the blip there's still there's still a bunch of people that are still racist enough to say that no nah, we no nah, we don't we don't we don't want a black man representing us we don't want a black man representing the U S of A no and and yeah, then, we're yeah we don't we don't 
look here, boy. We don't want them colors representing our flag and shit and whatnot. And, um, yeah, so you, so you still got a bunch of hee-haw racist motherfuckers in the, in the MCU, I'm sure, who don't want who who don't want to see Sam carry the shield anyway. Also, there and also you, if you if you if you and and also too like with Steve, it's like yo, you're not being fair to Sam by giving him the shield because you had the nerve to go back in time. You know, you were, you returned all those Infinity Gems back to their prop, proper dimensions and timelines, but you got to live your life the way you wanted to. You got to live to a ripe old age, and you think it's just so easy for you to just give this give your shield to Sam, you don't, you, you don't, you don't, to, with all, to, for, with all your heroism, Steve Rogers, Captain America, you don't, you don't know shit about Sam's life, you don't know what it's like, what the black American experience is like, so you can't just give him the shield and think that, he, think that he's gonna, he's gonna take the mantle on no problem, and what, and another thing too, when you look at the conversation in the first episode between Sam and James Rhodes, there's an unspoken, unspoken undercurrent, because because they're like yo, okay Tony's dead, Captain Captain's retired, yo we're we're basically the the new the new stand-ins and yo, I'm I'm basically the new Iron Man, and I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people in my in the government and in the country that don't like that, and I got and I got to deal with that shit, so I'm pretty sure that's that's the undercurrent that's going through James Rhodes' mind, um, yeah. I'm pretty sure there's going to be some type of development that's going to go along with that. Because mm-hmm. I mean, this is only the second, it's only a second episode. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he's definitely going to take the shield. Oh, yeah. But I'm pretty sure he's going to go with the, I'm going to take the shield, but I'm going to make a difference with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- I think so. I think it's going to be, it's not going to be, Sam- I think, I think the show's going to culminate with, um, Sam Wilson. He's going to remain the Falcon, but he's going to use the shield. He said, yo, I'm not Captain America. I'm Sam Wilson. I'm representing this shield. I represent this country, whether you like it or not. It's my country too. Cause I too am, am America. Fuck y'all. Um, Pretty much. But yeah. that, that damn, that the U.S. Asian look just like his daddy. Yo, yo, uh, like yeah, yo, yo, U.S. agent, um, aka Great Value Steve Rogers, um, yo, th- first of all, I, I, I will, I will give the character John Walker credit, and by the way, John Walker, like, you can't, I, I, I love the fact that his character has a generic white guy name to, to, to go along with the fact that he's, that he's basically an imposter. His, his name should have been, his, his name might as well have been A.A. Ron Balake, but anyway. Um, like I'll give I'll give him credit. He can he can handle the shield well, as we saw in that brief clip with him on the training field. But this dude is get, this dude is way too comfortable, you know, in his role. Collins having the nerve to sit down and call Sam Wilson. Yo, you know, I could sure use Cap's wingman on my side. <laughs> yeah. Oh, trust me. And you know what it is? I'm actually gonna bring some. Uh... <laughs> uh, I'm gonna br- I'm gonna bring some pro wrestling terms. He's getting heat. Yeah. His character is getting heat with us because I'm like, oh, I cannot wait for Sam to for Sam and Bucky to school him. Mm. Yeah. Oh, and then the therapist scene was hilarious. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, when they have to sit real close and just like, they're like, "Are you are you two giving? Are you two in in a staring contest?" No. <laughs> they're like, no, but they truly, they definitely was. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I'm looking at Show DiBiase's uh, comments here. He says that John Walker looks like a cross between the dude from Sons of Anarchy and Joe Dirt. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> I mean, yo, like, like. Like, like I will say that like, like John Walker, like he's got he's got a really punchable face. Like he 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 looks he looks too uncomfortably close to he looks he looks uncomfortably too close to Logan Paul, and Logan Paul has another punchable face, another privileged white dude. Um, I don't, and also and also he and also just and 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 it's just like it's just like a bootleg bootleg parody version of 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 Sam and and Bucky because it's like oh. Oh, so you 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 have a black partner too, whose name nobody knows. Do we know who he is? Is he is he an original character created for the show? Do you know who he, do you know who he is? Do you know who Lamar Out. is? I don't know who Lamar is. Battlestar. Battle Battlestar. Battlestar. Uh, he, he's from the comics. Oh, okay. All right. So 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 you got some guy named Battlestar. Battlestar Lamar. I, I don't know. But anyway, what what does he do? But anyway. So you so you got that dynamic going, um, but I I I'm also really intrigued though uh, with like I said with the with the with the uh, inclusion of uh, Isaiah Bradley, because um I think that I, I I really think that he he's he's gonna have I he's gonna have like a bigger role somehow uh-huh. in, in the in the narrative because you can't you can't just introduce a, a monumental character from Marvel lore lore like the original Captain America as a one off. He's got to have. There's got to be more to the story for him. He's got to be a bat. Oh, I, I can already tell. Against the black smashes, he's gonna be a badass. Mm. And we're gonna cheer. I mean, yeah. You know, with with the flag smashers though, I, I I do hope that we're gonna get at least one episode where we get where we get a a, a, a in depth glimpse of what life was like during the blimp, the blip rather. Yeah. Um. Oh. We kind of did. We, I mean, obviously, we kind of did where Endgame was like. But from their point of view, to understand like why they want the whole you know one world government, basically the NWO. Yeah, yeah, for for for, like, for life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I think I think we will get that. Mm-hmm. Just to give us a. Just to give us some reason to care about them. Yeah, yeah, because I, I think that I think that they're especially with their with their leader Carly Morgenthau. Um, I think that I think that there is there's some interesting um, elements of an interesting backstory there. And I think and I yeah. and I think that these flag smashers too, like they're not going to be like, you know, one dimensional. Oh, these these villains are up to no good. I think that they I think that their motivation. Um, as, as far as what we know of it so far, it it, it 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 does sound legitimate. It's like, yo, what was life? Life, I'm sure, must have been, you know, better in some ways during the blip. You know, maybe maybe there maybe maybe the blip revealed a lot of a lot of dark, the the underbelly of a lot of like you know shit in society that, that wasn't working from the beginning, but we were all just used to, and it, and it took like a monumental event for us to open our eyes to shit that's not really working. You know, sounds like a lot, lot, lot like real life. You know, so like in the past year alone. So, uh, so I definitely want to see where where they where they bring those characters. 
Um, and also like with the introduction of the power broker too, what what their role is. I'm curious about that as well. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Also, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any other any thoughts you had about any other thoughts you had about this episode? I mean, we, okay, we did talk about like the, the race. I mean, um, Bucky and Sam's uh, interactions still continue to entertain me. Yeah, <laughs> they got good. Well, I already know. Like, it's literally like a buddy cop on a military level. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's something uh, I'm. I just want to see. I, I'm. I'm interested to see how it comes together. How uh, Sharon Carter's character gets brought back into the mix. Because I mean, they mentioned her. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But she does, and you know, she does end up showing up in the show. So um, I want. I do want to see how she gets brought into the mix, and then how like how her character has developed since we last seen her in um, Civil War. Yep. So and then and then I'm interested in see if um see if Rhodey has a much more. Uh, much more bigger presence too as well yeah yeah because you know there's some because like with uh with don Cheadle, you know you know he's basically the, the, like the new iron man um he's not just right. a war machine so I, I it'd be interesting to see how how the character how the show revisits him and how he feel how he fits into the overall story and how the show uh, continues to explore you know what it's like being you know uh, a black a black superhero representing a country that by and large hates your existence and treats you treats you like shit, you know. And um, show DiBiase says Battlestar he actually used the name Bucky because of his racial his uh, racial connotations. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. And thing. I did read, I did read that he was actually one of the like original uh, Bucky's from back in the day. So I mean, mm. there are like a lot of these characters do have some depth that you would have to go to the you know. Uh, go read the comics to learn more about or, you know, go online and look up look up in uh, Marvel Wiki to get a decent, you know, um, a decent summary about these characters. And that's what I'm really enjoying that, you know, these shows are doing, like that the MCU is doing. It's making you not only just want to buy the comics that are coming out right now, but it makes you want to go back mm-hmm. and actually do research and find those stories and find those comics to actually learn more about even the lesser known characters and say, wow, like these characters actually had more depth to what what they're being presented in the, in the MCU. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, and I think that and I think Marvel's doing so far doing a re- they're doing a really good job of taking those um, those relatively like le- lesser known or overlooked characters and actually giving them you know more depth th- on the screen than they had on the page. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I don't mean to cut you off, but um, if you remember Isaiah Bradley's nephew, well, not his, I don't know if it was nephew or his grandson, mm-hmm. but he was actually another character now called the Patriot. He actually took on the the Patriot mantle. Now the Patriot mantle was actually the Patriot character was already used in um, Agents of Shield, but there have been other variations of that character. So maybe later on. Mm-hmm. Oh, hold on, call. You're, you're kind of cutting out there. 
and I think you froze. Are 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 you still with us, okay. Carl? <laughs> yeah, you you yeah, can. Um, yeah, I can hear you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your your image completely froze uh, <laughs> midway. Um, so uh, yeah. Alright, wait, 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 I have to get back. Okay. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah you kind of cut off when am you... I, am I back? Yeah, you're, you're back, you're good. Yeah, so, okay. so, so you cut off when uh, you was... talked about the Patriot? Yeah, there was, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I was saying that he actually did, um, he did, um, Isaiah Bradley's, I think, grandson did take on that mantle, and that mantle was using Ace's shield. Yeah. So, but there was other characters and Isaiah Bradley's grandson was one of them. So what I think is the MCU is planting those early seeds so we, he can be a much more bigger character in MCU films or TV shows. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be pretty interesting to see. Yeah, yeah, it, it, indeed. And I think, um, and I, I, I think I also saw like a tweet somewhere, like somebody, like, you know, somebody, they were, like somebody was talking about like fan theories, like maybe like Isaiah, like maybe that that character, like Isaiah Bradley's either Grant's grandson or, or or nephew, like he might be part of a Young Avengers uh, show right. in the future, because like you have Hawkeye's daughter as well, who's practicing archery, and I, I think she also becomes a hero too in the comics. No, not his daughter, but. The Hawkeye series that will be coming up, that it will be introducing a uh, Kate Bishop played by um, Haley Seinfeld, mm -hmm. and um, she's gonna be taking on the the new Hawkeye mantle. But yep. One Division did introduce Wicked and Speed, and those are actually they actually become Young Avengers, and who knows with the She Hulk show that's gonna be coming out, will end up getting Hulkling as well. And then later on in the Young Avengers, Hulkling and uh, Wiccan end up becoming a couple and end up getting married. So. Oh, okay. Interesting. All right. So some potential seeds uh, that might be planted. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, man. Yeah, some so yeah, some, some interesting things. Uh, Shut up, Rick. I saw your comment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, facts are facts. But, uh... But uh, but I will say um you know Fridays Fridays on Disney Plus are are definitely um a, a day that I'm looking forward to well well besides, Fridays are already cool enough as they are but you know to see a new episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier you know um, think, I think we have four more episodes left uh, of this mini series um because it's only I think it's only a six episode run so uh -huh. yeah so it's gonna be interesting to see how it how it uh, wraps up and how it continues with the next episode. Because there's a lot of interesting questions that the show raises too. Yeah. But, yes. Yeah. But all right. Um, yeah. Besides, besides that. Um, so yeah, Falcon and the Winter Winter Soldier. Um, you can watch the first two episodes on Disney Plus every Friday. Um, yeah, and let us know what you think of think about it in the comments or. You know, it's been it's been a while since we've had an email. Send us an email at codexprimepodcast at gmail dot com. Um, yeah, it'd be it'd be nice to get a viewer email uh, that's not spam. <laughs> so in the Codex Prime Gmail. So man, I haven't looked at the emails in so long, and uh, funny, like hey, you know, Curtis Marvin hit us up. You know, from one time guest with uh, Dollar Store Film. 
Yep. Well, I was telling him on Instagram, and the legend of Beard Fist, I know he has a new project coming up, so we're going to be having him on soon. But, um, yeah, just tell me, you know, he hit up the email, I'm like, really? Yeah. yeah. I didn't even <laughs> Yeah, man. So, yeah, email us, uh, let us know what you think. Um, yeah, man, besides that, uh, yeah, any, any other, any other stuff, uh, on your plate that you want to... It's been a pretty low-key, it's been a pretty low-key week, mm. so, uh, like I said, I still got more far stuff to mm. read, because I got to see how, I got to see how ridiculous this gets. <laughs> um, right, so, he, I know he be becomes a professional wrestler so as a wrestling fan oh i can't wait for this laugh i can't wait for this comedy mm. yeah yeah you know what you know what that makes sense uh, uh aaron aaron ferguson responded he says bill's mafia buffalo bills got better wi-fi <laughs> oh man i'm a simple boy i love losing super bowls you know, I will say the um, given given what I know about um, about foosball, uh, the 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 Bills of Buffalo, you know, they they're the perennial bridesmaids of Super Bowl history, but never the bride. You know, they they make it to the dance, but they never get the championship, from what I hear. Um, okay, you still have beef with Schenectady, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck Schenectady and their six hundred dollar uh, speeding ticket. Back in 2018, I'll never forgive that city, you know, for for, for 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 that treachery. You know what? You know the the only the only good thing about Schenectady, New York, was that Mickey Rourke, one of the best actors of of of, of you know the past 30 years, is from there, and that's it. That's all you got. All you get is Mickey Rourke, who started one of the, one of my favorite films of all time, The Wrestler. That's all you got. I've been trying to find that movie on Blu-ray at the stores for so long, and I still can't catch it. Uh, yeah, you, you can actually, you, you can probably order a cheap copy online somewhere. Yeah, I know I can. Yeah, I know I can. I'm just, just, just whenever I'm out, I just like, oh, that, that one in Wolf of Wall Street is what I want to add to my collection. Oh yeah, yeah, you, you, you can find those relatively anywhere. Like if you go to like Newberry Comics or or Fye, like you'll probably find a used copy on the shelves. Both of those, wait, aren't both of those uh, Scorsese films? Uh, no, uh, Russell was Darren, Ar- Darren, uh, D- Darren Ar- Aronofsky. Aronofsky. Yeah. I know it was like an Ofsky type name, but I just didn't want to butcher it. Yeah, yeah, Darren Aronofsky, he directed The Wrestler. Um, uh, yeah, so, so yeah, besides that, oh, and, you know, you know th- speaking of wrestling, um, uh, New Japan, um, I did, I did see that uh, they have unveiled their new IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. So they've so they've reti- officially retired the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and the Intercontinental Championship, and they've combined both lineages into one brand new title with a brand new uh, lineage behind it. And um, I've looked at the design of the new IWGP Heavyweight Championship, and um, I-, I will say... Okay, okay. Up up close. I've seen the up close uh, d- uh, designs of the belt. It's not it, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. However, it is a massive step down from yes. the heavyweight championship because for me, uh, when it comes to the modern era, the IWGP heavyweight championship was my 
favorite belt design. Because when you look at that title, that title has so much prestige behind it. Great wrestlers have held that title. Okada, who's the best IWGP champion of all time, in my opinion. Uh, you had Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah, Shinsuke Nakamura. Well, he held an older version of the belt in 03. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Kenny Omega. Um, Tetsuya Naito. Um, Jay White, even. Evil. Um, but you know, you, you had, you had some great top tier wrestlers carry that, that fourth generation version of the IWGP heavyweight championship. Um, and, and I, 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 I still don't agree. I still don't agree with New Japan's decision to retire both the intercontinental and heavyweight championship belts. I think that, I think that they could, they could have, they could have just had Kota Ibushi forfeit the intercontinental belt and just have... And then you know have others wrestle for it. I do, I do, I do want to say, however, that one criticism I do have about New Japan is that they have way too many title belts for one company. They have eight active belts, one of which has been stuck in this country for for the past two years, John, courtesy of John Moxley, the U.S. title. Um, so, like, if you look, if you look at, if you look at New Japan's belts, they, like pre, prior prior to the switch, they had the heavyweight championship, the intercontinental title. The U.S. Heavyweight Title, the Never Openweight Title, the Junior Heavyweight Title, the uh, IWGP Tag Team Championships, the Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships, and the Never Openweight Six Man Tag Team Belts. So that's eight belts for one company. Now I'm glad that, I'm glad that they're that they're consolidating some belts, but yo, they they, they, didn't, they didn't need to unify the heavyweight and intercontinental belts, but. You know, it is what it is. Um, I, I I know that over time I'll 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 get used to the new design, but the new design, yeah. You know, just just like you know, we got used to like the universal title when that when that came out. Like that was like, oh, wow, that that was. We rose to that, but oh, yeah, yeah, it's a like he said, it's a yeah. That the old design, the old the design, the previous design just had that classic feel. Yeah. Yeah. To it. Yeah, and I got to, and uh, Brian and I got to take pictures and hold the belt at uh, Comic Con, uh, damn, almost two years ago. Mm. But, uh, nice. Yeah, man, and and I'm, and right now too, I'm I'm just pulling up pulling up on Twitter here, just just so people can see the what the what the new design uh, looks like. Um, if my phone can cooperate with me, okay, here we go. So well, so here's like a before and after. So looking at the uh, looking at the old design, and I'm just gonna hold it up on my on the screen here if you can look closely. I know that's kind uh, of, it kind of it kind of faded yeah. into the uh... oh yeah, it fades into the background. But like yeah, if you look closely here um, on my screen here, so that's like the original version of the uh, IWGP Heavyweight Championship, prestigious looking belt. Like it's it was like for me the best looking belt uh, of the modern era, but now you got this, the IWGP uh, World Heavyweight Championship, which it doesn't look bad up close, but I will say, and, and there were a lot of memes that mentioned this, it looks like a cross between the original Divas Championship and Cody yeah. and Cody Rhodes neck tattoo. <laughs> it really oh, does. Somebody actually put the belt, somebody actually put the main. Uh main plate mm -hmm. over Cody's neck tattoo. Yeah, and it perfectly aligned. 
So and so I was like, oh my god, like like and I, but but I but I did read the rationale behind the, the behind the redesign, and the and the rationale was that um that the redesign actually combines like the the previous versions that came out in the past like to to like to like rep, to like represent and respect the history of that title over the past decades. So right. like the combat combined design, designs into like one into one um uh one final plate. But you know overall, like I said, like I said. Up close doesn't look bad. Um, like I said, like I said, I, I, I thought that, I think the change is unnecessary because, like you know, because because now you have a whole new title lineage. Um, Kota Ibushi is now officially recognized as the first World Heavyweight Champion in IWGP history. So with that, you know, we'll get used to it. But but New Japan always delivers the fire when it comes to wrestling. So at least we know that's not going to change. Um, I know that uh, Ibushi's first defense is going to come up soon on April 4th. Um, new, I think the new Genesis or new beginning in, in Sakura um, on, on Sunday, April 4th. And he's going to defend the championship against Will Ospreay, who is the winner of this year's New Japan Cup. So that's going to be a fire match. Oh, my God. Yo, my money's already taken. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you're like me, if you're a subscriber to New Japan World, at least you got some hot hot wrestling action to look forward to man new new uh the sakura show april uh, april 4th osprey ibushi world heavyweight championship yo it may it may just be another match of the year actually no it, it will be a match of the year candidate that's for sure yeah but but yeah those all right go ahead Carl. no i was just saying not disagree at all yeah, but um, but yeah, uh, it's safe to safe to say that um, as far as like belt designs go, um, by default, the AEW World Heavyweight Championship is the best looking belt in the business right now. Um, but but yeah, um, but yeah, that that pretty that's pretty much all we got uh, for this week. So that's all I got on my end. Let's let's call you had something else you want to add to the mix. No, I'm actually pretty awesome. Hopefully not next month because I got my date next. Week. Well, next week uh, we can review uh, Godzilla vs Kong like we was in, like what I hope to add, what I intended to today, but I have my dates wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. The like uh, Godzilla vs Kong came out in international markets on the twenty fourth, um, so it's just coming out uh, to HBO Max um, this week. So we'll be we'll definitely review that film for next week's podcast. Um, I'll also uh, uh, try to try to get into the previous films, um, like Godzilla 2014, Kong Skull Island, and Godzilla King of the Monsters, which I believe came out last year or the year before. I don't remember. Yes. Yeah. I know it was definitely pre uh, before the pandemic it came out. Yeah, I think it came out 2019. Yeah. So yeah, um, that's pretty much all we got on our end. Once again, thank you all for watching and listening. Uh, Carl, tell the good people where they can find us. You can find us, obviously, on our Facebook Live, and thank you for watching. Select content is going to be on our YouTube, cha- our YouTube channel. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. Please leave us a five-star review. Spotify, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, etc. Uh, you can find us on social medias on Instagram at Codex Fine Podcast, Twitter, Codex Fine Cast, and obviously on Facebook. Yep, absolutely. Find us everywhere, you know, and uh, 
you know, and, and uh, feel free to um, drop us a drop us an email that we'll read on the read on the air for next episode. Codex Prime Podcast at gmail.com, you know, because you know I'm I'm tired of cleaning out all the spam from the inbox. <laughs> Uh, Me too. <laughs> yeah. So, so yes. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much all we got for this week. Um, tune in next week. We'll be, like I said, we'll, talk, we'll be talking about uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Um, uh, let's see. Let me see. Down the pike, uh, some future episodes. We'll also get into um, our thoughts on WrestleMania 37, um, which is coming up. Yep. Um, also. Oh yes, and also NXT Stand and Deliver, the first ever two night uh, takeover show. I mean, Champa versus Walter for the UK belt, man, man. Devlin versus Santos, mm. ladder match, and the way that did you see the way they introduced how they announced the ladder match? Oh yeah, yeah. Shawn Michaels didn't say a word. Just walked to the ring, pulled the ladder from underneath the ring, slid it, and slid it in the ropes. Right in between them. Yep. And then they each put them just like, that was gold. I, yeah. oh, I watched it on YouTube like every day since. Mm. Because that was like the gold moment. Yeah. Yeah, man. So it's, a, it's a solid card all around, man. And, yes. but yeah. So, so yeah, so we got some quality wrestling coming up, man, in the month of April. Uh, between uh, the Sakura show in New Japan, TakeOver, uh, Stand and Deliver, WrestleMania 37. Um, of course, we know Bad Bunny versus The Miz is going to be the match of the match of the weekend. I think play, place our bets now. Five star. Six. Yep, six yeah. star. Uh, uh, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm going to say Bad Bunny versus The Miz is going to break the Meltzer, rate, Meltzer scale again. We're going to see the first ever eight-star match. You're giving it eight? Eight stars. Eight stars. All right. Two, four, six, eight. My booty. <laughs> booty. Oh, man. But yeah, thank y'all for watching. Thank y'all for listening. Um, as always, we will catch you on the flip. Peace out, nerds. Damn.